my sermon is on prayer. I think as time goes on in life, our prayer life needs, well, I guess mine needs to improve. Though nature and revelation, revelation, through his providence and by the influence of his spirit, God speaks to us. But these are not enough. We need also to pour out our hearts to him. In order to have a spiritual life and energy, we must have actual intercourse with our Heavenly Father. Our minds may be drawn out towards him. We may meditate upon his works, his mercies, his blessings. But this is not, in the fullest sense, communion with him. In order to commune with God, we must have something to say to him concerning our actual life. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. When Jesus was upon the earth, he taught his disciples how to pray. He directed them to present their daily needs before God and to cast all their cares upon him. And the assurance he gave them that their petitions should be heard is assurance also to us. <clears throat> Jesus himself, while he dwelt among men, was often in prayer. Our Savior identified himself with our needs and weakness. In that he became a supplicant, a petitioner seeking from his Father fresh supplies of strength that he might come forth braced for duty and trial. He is our example in all things. He is a brother in our affirmities. In all points tempted like we are, but as a sinless one, his nature recoiled from evil. He endured struggles and torture of soul in a world of sin. His humanity made a prayer necessity and a privilege. He found comfort and joy in communion with his Father and the Savior of men, the Son of God felt the need of prayer. How much more should feeble, sinful mortals feel the necessity of fervent, consistent prayer? Our Heavenly Father waits to bestow upon us the fullness of his blessing. It is our privilege to drink largely at the fountain of boundless love. What a wonder is it that we pray so little. God is ready and willing to hear the sincere prayers of the humblest of his children. And yet, there is much manifest reluctance on our part to make known our wants to God. What can the angels of heaven think of poor, helpless human beings who are subject to temptation when God's heart of infinite love yearns towards them, ready to give them more than they can ask or think? And yet, they pray so little and have so little faith. The angels love to bow down before God. They love to be near Him. They regard communion with God as their highest joy. And yet, the children of earth, who need so much of the help that God only can give, seem satisfied to walk without the light of His Spirit, the companionship of His presence. The darkness of the evil one encircles those who neglect to pray. 
The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin, and it is all because they do not make the use of the privilege that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hands of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse? Where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence? Without unceasing prayer and diligent watching, we are in danger of growing careless and of deviating from the right path. The adversary seeks continually to obstruct the way to the mercy seat that we may not be earnest supplication and faith obtain grace and power to resist temptation. There are certain conditions upon which we may expect that God will hear and answer our prayers. One of these is that we feel our need of help from him. He has promised, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Isaiah 44.3 Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who long after God, may be sure that they will be filled. The heart must be open to the Spirit's influence, or God's blessing cannot be received. Our great need is itself an argument and pleads most eloquently in our behalf. But the Lord is to be sought unto to do these things for us. He says, Ask, and it shall be given you. And he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's Matthew 7, 7. Okay. Last year we had the 40 days of prayer. Who took part of that? Okay. Now for myself, every morning when I woke up, I read my page. I prayed every morning and every evening. I had four people on my list. After the 40 days were up, I patiently waited. I waited to hear the good news. I fully expected to hear a testimony in church of a change that has happened in four persons' life. I waited and waited and waited. And when I got tired of waiting, I waited some more. Days became weeks. Weeks became months. And months became a year. After a year of waiting, I finally had to ask and I was told that there was marginal improvement. Marginal improvement? Now, some of you might think, see, Scott, God answered your prayer. I don't think so. Let's put this in perspective here. We all know who Naaman is, right? The leper that was healed. Naaman was a leopard. And he was told to bathe in the Jordan River seven times. And upon coming out of the water the seventh time, his servant says, Master, look, your leprosy has marginally improved. Is that what it says? Let's turn to Second Kings 5.14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again unto like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean.
That is a miracle. That is God healing. I really don't believe that God healing and the word marginal should be in the same sentence. Now there are three possibilities that I can think of why my prayer wasn't answered. There might be more, but I just think of three of them. Number one, as highly unlikely as it would be, God could have just said no to my prayer. Number two, this is a more of a believable idea. Yes to the healing, but not now. Wait. Be patient. You see, we live in a very impatient world. If you need to know something, try using Google. Three billion results in only 0.9 seconds. Are you hungry? Let's grab some fast food. Laundry day. Throw clothes in, push a few buttons, and walk away. These are just but a few examples. Where is the patience when we live in a world of convenience? Now let's just assume for the time being that the unanswered prayer is not due to the first two possibilities, but the third. Number three. In this point, I'm a little hesitant to share why it points guilt at the prayer, at me. In Steps to Christ, page 95 or 96, if we regard iniquity, iniquity in our hearts, if we cling to any known sin, the Lord will not hear us. But the prayer of the penitent, contrite soul, is always accepted. When all known wrongs are righted, we may believe that God will answer our petition. Our own merit will not commend us to the favor of God. It is the worthiness of Jesus that will save us, his blood that will cleanse us. Yet we have a work to do in complying with, with the conditions of acceptance. Now why would I say these, these things about myself? Why would I expose myself to all year of my severe character flaw? Why? Because someone may have a flaw in their character as well. And Jesus is coming soon. And we need to, I need to, have a better prayer life. With that said, let's read James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. This is a very tough text to follow. Like who wants to tell a fellow uh, church member that I have a problem? I have a question for you. Why are you here? Why are you in church today? Is not church a hospital for sick people? So since we are here today means that we are sick, means that we have faults, means that we need the prayers of each other. So let us cut out our false pride and confess our faults one to another and pray one for another. You see, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. I want to be saved. So if I have to be a little embarrassed, by talking to someone about my faults so that they can pray for me so I can be healed, then so be it.
Friends, Jesus is coming soon. We do not have time to delay. I have a small little video clip for you guys to see. Did you get that? The Pope wants to sign a declaration of unity on the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther. Can you please show the desktop on the screen? Now go to Google and do a search. When did Martin Luther nail the 95 Thesis? So on October 31st, 1517, which will bring it October 31st, 2017. In a year and a half, they're going to be signing that. The Pope wants to bring the other churches back to the Mother Church again. What do you think will happen to those churches that continue to remain loyal to God by keeping his commandments, including his holy Sabbath day? I'll let you answer that one for yourself. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Time is getting short. The time of trouble will soon be upon us. In closing, in Ellen White's book of Temperance, page 16, the controlling power of appetite will prove the ruin of thousands when, if they had conquered on this point, they would have had moral power to gain the victory over every other temptation of Satan. But those who are slaves to appetite, who fail in perfecting Christian character, the continual transgression of man for 6,000 years has brought sickness, pain, and death as its fruits. And we are near the close of time. Satan's temptations to indulge appetite will be more powerful and more difficult to overcome. Councils on Diets and Foods, page 38 to 381. Again and again I have been shown that God is trying to lead us back, step by step, to his original design, that man should subsist upon the natural products of earth. Vegetables, fruits, and grains should compose our diet. Not an ounce of flesh meat should enter our stomachs. The eating of flesh is unnatural. We are to return to God's original purpose in the creation of man. It is not time that all should aim to dispense with flesh foods? How can those who are seeking to become pure, refined, and holy, that they may have the companionship of heavenly angels, continue to use as food anything that has so harmful an effect on soul and body? How can they take the life of God's creatures that they may consume the flesh as a luxury? Let them rather return to the wholesome and delicious food given to man in the beginning and themselves practice and teach their children to practice mercy towards the dumb creatures that God has made and has placed under our dominion. Among those who are waiting for the coming of the Lord, meat eating will eventually, will eventually be done away with. Flesh will cease to form a part of their diet. We should ever keep this end in view, endeavor to work steadily towards it. I cannot think that in the practice of flesh-eating we are in harmony with the light which God has been pleased to give us. All who are connected with the 
health institutions especially should be educating themselves to subsist on fruits, grains, and vegetables. If we move from principle in these things, if we as Christians reformers educate our own tastes and bring our diet to God's plan, then we may exert an influence upon others in this matter, which will be pleasing to God. In light in what I've just read, if I combine that with James 5.16, confess your faults one to another, I would like to say this. I have a real problem with getting off of meat in my diet. I always crave it. I am asking the church to pray for me so I may be victorious in this one aspect of my life. Now for special music. draweth nigh with, with sympathizing tenderness angels have witnessed their distress and have heard their prayers they are awaiting the word of their commander to snatch them from their perils but they must wait yet a little longer the people of God must drink of the cup 
and be baptized with the baptism. The very delay, so painful to them, is the best answer to their petitions as they endeavor to wait trustingly on the Lord to work as they are led to exercise faith, hope, and patience, which have been too little exercised during their religious experience. I pray that we can have a closer walk with our Lord and Savior. Let's not be afraid to ask each other for their prayers. Satan is going around like a roaring lion to see who he can devour. Let's not be his lunch. We need to pray for our church, for our pastor, for our elders. We need to pray for each other. We are a family. We belong to the family of God. If you are in pain, then I am in pain. If you are stressed, then I am stressed. It is easier to cope with a problem when you have company. A sympathetic ear is all it takes to reduce your burdens. I heard a story that scientists did on two baby goats. They had two pens. One pen, they had a glass wall. The other was just, you know, all, you know, four walls. And the one pen, they had a baby goat in there and the mother was on the other side of the glass wall. Well, the floors would have had to been metal, and they used that to shock the goats. I can just picture it now that when the first shock came, you see the little goats, you know, they, you know, they're screaming or whatever. I could see this one seeing its mother and run to her and get hit by the you know glass wall, but it could see its mother. As the shocking continued, the scientists noticed something. The one baby goat that could see its mother, the shocking had less and less of an effect on it. Took it to a point where it just, you know, shudders a little bit and just does its thing. The other baby goat died. That was all alone. Let us be there for one another. <laughs> 